and let's get going. All right. Cool. Good afternoon. Welcome to Desperate House, which is my name is Raina Starr. This is my co-host, the lovely Stacy Soros. Today's guest is going to be the amazing Sarita Dieste. Uh, but before we get to our show, I just want to thank my sponsor, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your amazing pagan needs. She is still selling her home blessing ornaments for 2021. Get them. They work. Seriously. And if you need that shipped overseas, check out theconjurepath.com. Check the bottom of the page and it will tell you how to ship or how to get her stuff overseas. All right. So Desperate House Witches, if you don't know, is a, not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, may not be the show for you. Potty mouth. Can't help it. Okay. So hi, ladies. So happy to see you. Hi. 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 So Sarita, I have been a fan from afar for a while. Um, and I've noticed you on Facebook for quite some time, and I like a lot of the things you discuss. I know you're a writer, you're a teacher, you're a self-publish, self-publishing house, as it were, um, <laughs> which is really cool and scares the hell out of me. But okay, um, you're very talented. I, I wanted to talk to you about a number of things. The first thing I'd kind of like to delve into is what's happening on your side of the world as far as COVID goes. Oh my gosh, the topic of 2020 and the topic of 2021. So hello, hi everybody, and thank you for having me. Of course. So um, I'm in Glastonbury in Somerset, which is in the southwest of England. And yeah. last year we had some of the lowest R rates for COVID. Um, but right now that is, um, rising at an alarming rate like it is everywhere with this new strain of COVID. So we're in a complete lockdown, which means we're not mm. supposed to leave our immediate home area except for, you know, certified reasons or necessary reasons like work and emergencies and I don't know what, there's a short list. Um, so things are calm, but being in the countryside, of course, is very, very different from the city. And I know that there's a lot of panic about hospitals being overcrowded and not being able to offer places to people that are being infected etc so things are changing very very fast here but i'm sure that's the case everywhere at the moment with these new strains i know there's a new strain that's just been um discovered in brazil in the last few days as well and they don't quite know what the difference with that is yet so I guess it's just more of the same. <laughs> we, we're all in the same boat. I think no matter where in the world we are really right now, most of us are having to stay home, having to self-isolate. Yeah. Um, but it's not so bad where we are because we are in relatively, it's a small town, lots of countryside around. Mm. So we're quite capable of just walking out and walking and going about our lives as normal other than for retail type services sure. yeah do you have very oh i'm sorry do you have the vaccine there yet yeah so they, they started vaccinating um a few weeks ago now um but it's only people that are at high risk that are being vaccinated right now like here and i think they they're saying that it will be until july 
that time of the year before it will kind of be rolled out a little bit more broadly mm. um but I, with covid as with with everything that's happened with covid so far i think it's just let's see what happens because um i think any well-laid plan is kind of meaningless right now things are changing so far <laughs> It's true. That's no, very true. I've tried to make plans for months. No, no <laughs> not I, happening. I, I yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> everything is kind of on pause, you know, go pause, go pause. So I think, um, I mean, hopefully I, I'm certainly used to it by, by now. It's just not making any plans beyond the now, which is, I guess, quite an interesting thing to live through in its own right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now and not being able to go out for retail therapy so much. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I have a lot of therapy in my home because <laughs> I have Amazon. Um, okay. And I have all the things that you're not supposed to do in a pandemic, like <laughs> spend more money than you have. Oh, I don't know. It's just a bad habit. But I mean, it's, it's I, I strange time. You know, some people self comfort with um, food. Some mm -hmm. people self comfort with retail. Some people self comfort with other things. I do all of it. Yes, ma'am. I do it all. <laughs> I have been eating my feelings, your feelings, and everybody else's feelings, and I've been shopping. Never a good combo. I had I had a huge huge binge shopping um, when our first lockdown was eased mm -hmm. last spring. Um, just going to garden centres and buying so many trees and plants. That's a healthy thing, though. I mean, it's an it's activity. A I didn't have any way to put it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. It's what about not having anything to wear with, you know, six wardrobes yeah. or something. Oh my god, I have I just bought dresses, Stacy. Mm -hmm. I just bought I just bought like three dresses that are going absolutely nowhere. No one is going to see them. I have no place to wear <laughs> I've them. Been afraid, I've got a friend just buying ballroom gowns and, and wearing them around the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm missing, ball gowns. What have you been buying, Stacy? Um, I've been buying um, craft supplies and oh. um, I've been buying witchcraft supplies. Uh, I was really happy to get my, I have my um, 2021 house protection ornament from Dorothy yeah. and, and we put that up, thankfully. Um, but I mean, I, I, I have a little baby Yoda that was an impulse buy back there. So yeah, I've been buying like <laughs> Things that when I see them, they make me smile. <laughs> yes, we need happiness purchases, which is a good thing. Yeah, I guess, I guess my, cat, my cat came into my life just before the pandemic hit, like two, three weeks before that. So really, I guess, I guess he's been kind of keeping me away from buying too many dresses. <laughs> well, he's very elegant. I love him. And I love when you post pictures of him. He's gorgeous. He's the most beautiful blue eyes I've ever seen. Mm, he's, he's quite a character. He's like a dog cat. <laughs> he was definitely a person in another life. You can kind of tell. Um, he's got personality plus, 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 plus. He's pretty amazing. Um, so anybody who's watching this or listening to this definitely needs to get on Sarita's page and see the handsome. 
continuously <laughs> elegant Kamsu cat. He is gorgeous. Anyway, I'd date him if he was human, but I can't. So there's that. Um, but, you know, something I wanted to talk <laughs> Listen, have you seen the crop in America? Never mind. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, I will take from, you know, whatever you got might be good. Who knows? I'll give it a try. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about, you know, practices of the craft. And I've noticed that you've had conversations with folks and, you know, I'm a casual observer. My opinion is not always warranted or necessary. So I don't say a lot, a lot of the time, but, you know, I find it interesting when folks talk about, you know, a path of witchcraft and what goes into actually being a witch. And there's a lot of, you know, quote unquote, gatekeeping. So I wanted to get your opinion of, you know, your feelings about what that actually means. Um, is it something that you have an opinion on either way? Because um, I find that it's, it's, there's a huge difference of opinion of sure is, yes. legitimacy um, is always a question, apparently. So I just wanted your yeah. point on it. So I'm from not the Godnerian line, the other kind of famous um, Wiccan lineage. I uh -huh. got initiated into that when I was still a teen, dropped out of it for a while and then got involved again in late 2000, 2001, when I co-founded a coven with um, my then partner. And we kind of change people in our own way because we thought hey we're in the 21st century and things are no longer as they were in 1965 of course <laughs> um so that is kind of my approach to magic and also to i'm a polytheist there's also my approach to my religious side i guess is that we can learn from the past, um, but unless we really learn from the past, we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes that those people made. Mm -hmm. And in the last, especially in the last 20 years with the advent of the internet into people's homes around the world, information is just so much more widely available than it was when I got involved in Wicca, as I'm sure many people listening to this, you know, got involved before the internet um, was like a common thing in people's homes and that meant that the only way that you could learn was from people and from the few books that was available yeah and yes there were books available and even Gerald Gardner and all the kind of big names that founded the various lineages wrote books or um, gave interviews and that is what drew people to those lines and to the work that these people were teaching so although the craft has always had this secrecy side to it this um you know so-called gatekeeping element where you're either in or you're out there's always been an element that's been available to everybody the difference is i think in the past the majority of the information being made available to the public and to potential seekers came from people that had already put in years of practice, years of study, whether that was with a coven or with different, you know, even in the other magical traditions with different teachers or, I don't know, studying from books and practicing as a solitary. But the majority of books, if you look back to it, like before, say, 2000, were written by people that had 
um, an elaborate and good foundation in practice and study of whichever tradition. With the coming of the internet age, <laughs> that is just no longer the case. Um, anybody right. can set up a blog and write whatever they want. And if they are a convincing writer or a conven convincing vlogger, people are gonna listen and people are going to believe them, even if they're spouting complete gobbledygook. So I think it's, it's a difficult thing. I, I do believe that some traditions um, should maintain that privacy for the purpose of the, the actual group. Um, but I guess over the years of my involvement with various initiatory groups and with other groups and, and people and, and studying and listening to people, I've kind of come to the conclusion that when it comes to groups and tradition, I believe more in a kind of coven-based tradition than I do in a, you know, Godnerian line. I think that that helps and it helps to establish where you've come from. Sure. It doesn't so much for me represent where you've gone with it. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Somebody can be initiated for 50 years, but have done nothing but attended, I don't know, one Sabbath a year, which was the mm -hmm. party Sabbath. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? So um, true. And, and it doesn't mean that they know anything, where somebody with five years, you know, experience as an initiate might have really kind of spent a lot more time practicing and yeah. learning and reading everything they can and talking to people and actually probably know a lot more than somebody with 50 years experience. It's so true. It's really I think, true. I think that, you know, I do believe in privacy and I do believe that if you yeah. take an oath, you keep that oath. Sure. Because if you're taking it out of your own free will in a court, then um yeah. you know that, that's your bond with the gods it's not so much to do with the people that right. you are um you know becoming loyal to or whatever the case may be um so I, I do believe more in coven based tradition because I think ultimately a lot of these arguments about lineages and stuff would just fall away if it's like well this is my coven my tradition right my coven my tradition and it doesn't matter that we've got the same initiators and that we start in the same place because ultimately we're going to evolve in slightly different you know ways even if it's just where we live or our um the space that we practice in or the people that we practice with even if the rituals are exactly the same they're going to be slightly different yeah no i completely agree i know a lot of folks who are currently practicing gardenarians you know younger folks and it's changed and evolved really beautifully in a way that some of the people who taught me would be like, oh, well, you know, oh, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the people I came up with are, are quite frankly passed away right now. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's that. But I find that when you leave something stagnant, it, it kind of dies. And I've I mean, been seeing that. I mean, the way I look at it is if you put your mind, if you put your your thoughts into what Gerald Gardner, for just using him as an example, because it's probably the most famous line of Wicca. Sure. Um, if, if we think about what made him special back in the 1950s and 60s, when he was really promoting it, um, he was the he was that character in the newspaper with the funny photographs, which were frankly <laughs> a lot more shocking than some of the velvet-robed grand dames of witchcraft today 
mm-hmm. do media interviews, if you really look at some of the photos of Gerald Gardner from back in the day, it's pretty shocking if you think that this is at a time that the world is a lot more conservative than it is right now. Sure. Um, you know, so he was that kind of odd character that winked out there and, and promoted it. But his passion was in learning. And you can see that, um, I mean, Philip Heselton has done a lot of research, of course, on him. And, you know, so people that are interested can read Philip's books. But, you know, he was obviously somebody that went out there and really just had an inquisitive mind. And he learned from all kinds of people, all kinds of things. He got initiated into all kinds of different religious traditions. And all of that somehow, you know, um, I don't know, bubbled together and became Godmurian Wicker. Mm-hmm. And if we are wanting to follow in his footsteps, then what we should be doing is taking what he taught, which some of which he'd been taught and some of which he took from other sources. And we should be doing the same. And that is, I think, what a lot of the younger generation people are doing. But it doesn't mean that you throw out everything either. You don't throw out the tradition necessarily right. just because you don't like it. It might just be that you don't understand a certain aspect of it. And I think that's really important. Um, You know, there's many things that I don't like and there's many things I love, but I know Mm -hmm. the things I don't like, I had to really work at trying to understand what what is the purpose of this thing? You know, Mm -hmm. where did it come from? Um, Why do we have that? Because if we don't understand that, then just removing it from the mix really isn't healthy either, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Because you're taking away an element of it. What is, you know, you should know why it was there in the first place before you replace it. Um, And And it's not that some things shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, some things should be replaced. You know, there are certain mores that were in existence back then when he was first introducing it. And, you know, we're in a different kind of world now. and Society has to grow, you know. Stacey, what do you think? Jump on in. (laughs) I love it. And and when you're talking about um, having, you know, covens that have the same initiator that can grow and morph and evolve, um, you know, I see that with with my tradition because my initiator uh, are are higher up in Amstrega. So our our high priest has a couple covens and they're very different in how they function because of where we are and who's involved. Right. But I, I, I'm curious um, from from taking that tradition point of view and the evolution of the coven progression point of view. Mm-hmm. So what do you see a place for like a validity or a, a, a place for for um, unverified personal gnosis, the UPG <laughs> stuff? Yes, I'm touching the third rail. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, UPG or unverified personal gnosis must be one of the most unhelpful terms that have, I don't know, like jumped into popular use mm-hmm. within pagan circles. I think it's an incredibly misleading term and I wish people would just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the short answer. The long answer is that For me, personal gnosis is a very valuable part of my work. 
Um, I don't believe the personal notice is ever unverified or unverifiable in any possible way. I think personal notice is notice, it's knowledge that you gain and it's personal and it's got nothing to do with the internet. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, the way I most often see it being used is people on the internet saying, well, you know, I think that, um, I don't know, Asclepius, I'm just looking at an icon of Asclepius on my wall that I bought in Crete last year. Um, Asclepius, the god of healing, the Greek god of healing and medicine, well, you know, he could also be the god of communication and computers and tea, <laughs> because that's what I saw in my dream, okay? So the problem with that is that you know, you just basically put it out there and you you kind of aggressively stating that your vision or your dream or your something is more valid than two, three thousand years worth of information that we have available. And ultimately, we have the information available in many cases on what things are. So it would be a little bit like me saying, hey, I've had a vision of a car having square wheels. And I think we should just do that because I think it's more valid because it's 21st century and it's my UPG. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily make it better, yes? Right. So I think Gnosis is always personal um, and it can be verified because you either had the experience or you didn't have the experience. And then you have to question whether the experience is helpful or not. So if I had a vision of a car having square wheels, I have enough logic and information in my mind and enough learning to know that that's not going to work. The car's not going to go anywhere with square wheel. And if it does, it's going to be, you know, a very bumpy ride. Um, on the other hand, if I had a vision and I look at it and I think, wow, this would really improve something in my life. And I research it and I really look into it. And maybe I talk to people about the thing. I don't have to say, I had a vision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so special um, and then I don't mean that in a, in a nasty way because I really believe in mystical experiences I just don't think it's something that that should be blurted out all over the internet in the ways that it is mm -hmm. and it does sometimes make you question whether this is delusion or just some you know crazy stuff sometimes but if you had a personal experience and you investigated and you really investigated and it really makes something better then I think by all means go for it. I, I can't see any reason why not to incorporate that into your work. Because if you look at all the ancient mystery cults and all the, you know, the stories that we have of the gods and humans, when there are situations where people do have a vision and that vision doesn't prove things or change the outcome of a situation, it's something to be remembered, it's something to learn from, it's something to evolve from. But I think the proof of the pudding is in the eating. It does need to actually make something better. Mm -hmm. um, so UPG, I don't like the term, personal gnosis, sure. Um, I think if it improves a situation, then by all means, I don't see the problem in incorporating it. I mean, a lot of my own work, um, I'm just going to try and think, something pu public, for example, was the, the very book, a big book on Hecate that I did 10 years ago, 11 years ago now called Hecate of Sacred Fires, mm -hmm. which came out of a ritual I was doing and I had a vision and I ended up inviting all these people to do this book. And then 
when the book, book, book project was finished, I wrote a little ritual that has dominated my life every May for the last 10 years because it's become something a lot of devotees of Hecate actually does and they benefit from it and they enjoy it. So, um, you know, it's really changed a lot of things for a lot of people. So I'm happy that I shared that particular vision and went with it. But I, I have a lot of dreams with post-it notes in it, um, <laughs> which wouldn't serve anybody any, any kind of good, you know. I remember having a, a kind of intense dream and you know proclamation about nine, 18, 19 years ago that God was a sycamore tree with an, with an eye in it and it goes quack 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 <laughs> and it, it just became like a running joke with my partner at the time who kind of heard me proclaim this in the middle of the night as as some kind of prophet <laughs> but I was obviously having some kind of crazy dream you know and I was studying a lot of Egyptian stuff at the time and it's obviously kind of influencing you know something for me but it, it kind of does make me giggle every time I see a sycamore tree <laughs> well, you know as, um as, but it's not profound as someone who's done that Hecate ritual I just want to thank you for sharing it um, thank you uh and and I think sometimes when when uh those personal gnosis things come up they come up like indirect communication uh, direct like challenge to to some gatekeeping you know like for example like like you're talking about asclepius that he's he's the god of of healing but also the god of communication and and but we have we know who 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 those who, who were, yeah. So I, I know I think sometimes when when people brand it like UPG, um, it's because whatever came through sometimes is in contradiction to what the 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 known. You know, the, the thing is that often I think it's not in contradiction. Um, you know, my pet subject obviously is Hecate for the last few years, and I do look at things that people say, and they go, well. You know, it's my UPG that, and then quite often the thing that they're coming up with is just a more obscure part mm -hmm. of her history. Um, I remember, um, you know, discovering Artemis of Ephesus. She doesn't look anything like anything to do with Ecate at all. And then, you know, feeling that she was somehow linked to Ecate, and, and this is many years ago when I had no information on that at all within my you know my scope of of knowledge and learning but subsequently you know 10 years later I suddenly discovered that there was a shrine to Hecate in the grounds of the temple of Artemis of Ephesus that the original temple like the first temple built on the site might even have been to Hecate not the the Phrygian Artemis like we know her today and that there's all these kind of connections and the thing is, it's been revealed to me that my kind of um, my kind of instinct or my intuition that there was a connection is is valid, but it's it's not been revealed to me as a as a kind of psychic experience. It's, it's been revealed to me by me actually learning more, mm -hmm. as it as it were. So I think a lot of the time, um, I think internet discussions can come across very um, people get very aggressive very quickly and things can be misconstrued and especially when you've got people 
you know, sometimes you've got people with a lot of kudos and experience talking on an internet forum that's trying to help. I mean, I've, I've seen this a lot, especially in Wiccan forums, where there's somebody with experience trying to help, but they're kind of doing it in a way that the person needing the help doesn't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. Um, because th- there's, a, there's a kind of, I guess there's a knack to communicating on the internet. And again, it's it's down to that, you know, a newbie can go and talk complete gobbledygook on YouTube about something. But if that person is convincing and charming and um, erudite, it's likely that somebody might believe them over some somebody with genuine 30, 40 years experience, mm-hmm. simply because of the way that they're presenting the information. So I think it's a complicated Mm-hmm. It's a very complicated subject because I think some people gatekeeping on the internet, it, it just comes across as incredibly nasty. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that it's always intended like that. It's mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's probably intended like that. <laughs> but um, I think sometimes it's just people not knowing how to communicate, you know, ideas that to, to them seems normal. And I think this applies. I mean, I don't I don't want to you know, kind of sound old fashioned, but it, it does sound, to me sometimes it is those people from the previous generation that don't quite know how to use the internet. I, you know, they just want to say, this is the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and things have changed. So I don't know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that they've changed. I think, you know, and I, I understand what you're saying about people not knowing how to communicate well on the internet um, because you can't see inflection in a written word mm-hmm. and it makes it difficult for folks to to get the spirit of what you're saying sometimes as opposed to because you don't necessarily mean for something to sound harsh but it comes across that way because you can't see me smile when I'm saying it out loud so that's why video has been really helpful but um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I'm fearful that traditions die when they don't, when they stay stagnant. And, and I think we're seeing that, we're seeing that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But my my thing about, you know, and I, all these, I'm an older person. So like all these mm-hmm. terms are kind of new to me. Like Stacy had to explain UPG to me. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. Um, <laughs> But it sounds to me like there there's a select number of folks that have an experience and then they want to pass that off as being the word for everyone. I think anytime you have an experience with deity of any kind or spirit or whatever you want to call it, you know, that's kind of your experience to to hold on to and share it like you said, if it's a benefit. I mean, you know, there are experiences I've had that are not really going to benefit other people because it's an experience unique to my life for the, the things that I have done. And I've done a lot of shit. Um, so, yeah, sometimes the gods come along and say, dummy, boom, let me smack you. Um, yeah, it happens, you know, but that's... What occurs to me is that maybe what one thing that is different now, maybe more so over the last year because of COVID, is that in the past, you know, if you got involved in witchcraft in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, even the early noughties, 
most likely you had a physical community of people, a local mood, yeah. a local group, a coven. So when you had those experiences, you mm -hmm. had people that you could talk to face to face about it. Yeah. And now with so many more people getting involved in this from books and from websites, etc., I think chances are sometimes maybe you get these kind of difficult discussions on forums because um, it's people that haven't had that opportunity to have friends or colleagues or magical companions or coven members to bounce ideas of or to keep them in check as well when mm -hmm. they're slightly going off onto a you know a fantasy thing which of course nowadays with um the, 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 the latest thing is sabrina isn't it yeah yeah um you know so um but in the past i remember when i had my first internet forums in the late 90s early noughties um it was the craft and it was buffy and it was sure. charmed yeah and it was the same well, stuff i remember getting very earnest emails from people asking for the spell of changing the color of their hair or their eyes or you know things like that that they've seen in some yeah. production somewhere yeah were you gonna say something stace no, I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, like, like, like thinking about it, and and I think, I think that 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 it's really smart to 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 have those people that you can bounce things off of because they can yeah. help you. Like, oh no, you're off the map, honey. Come, come yeah. back here. <laughs> they can they can kind of help guide you and and also help you if maybe you were looking at your the what you got through a specific lens but giving you a different point of view it might be oh maybe it's this other person or others trying to reach out to help you also just i just yeah. I, I i i think it all goes back to, to having that community whether you call it coven whether you have it as as just a group of friends that you can you can talk to about stuff like this no, I think the internet is a great space for it, but it is also a kind of unstable space for it when anybody can join a group. And it's not always clear who's got experience and who doesn't and who to believe and who's just, you know, having a yeah. moment. So I think that is lacking for a lot of people getting involved today. That that, um, And I think it's worse now than it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a lack of, of community. And I guess COVID is just making it worse. It really is. You know, I came from a coven situation and mm -hmm. over the last 25 years, I've been practicing solitary because all of my coven mates are either no longer practicing or gone, you know, yes. So I thank you. I, I appreciate when I, I can find writers that I can relate to. And I know it must be really difficult now for folks because a lot of the experiences I was lucky enough to have kind of don't even exist anymore, where you could live with your mentor and be trained one on one. Yeah. And I, I was lucky enough to have that. And I feel badly that other folks don't get the luxury of that because that was a luxury and I, and I know how lucky I was to have it. Um, but I find that sometimes it's difficult to practice solitary because all of the focus is on just what I want to do or what my intentions are. And it would be really nice 
to have more of an outlet of other like-minded folks to speak to, but it's not always possible. Do you have anything you can even suggest uh, along those lines? It's so hard. I know, right? It's so difficult. I, th I think there are increasing numbers of people that are taking to creating kind of closed groups that are by subscription, um, you know, for small fees. Sometimes it's not, it's not all very commercial. Yeah. Um, I've been asked to do something like that and I'm considering it at the moment. But for me, I hate administration and any paperwork and um, keeping track of the emails. I understand that. Yeah. You need an, you need an admin. I, I get it. Yeah, so I, I would. I'm, I'm considering doing it um it, there's yeah. a couple of, couple of us talking about it and um but, th but there are groups like that being formed and i think look out for those i guess and just yeah. dip your toes in but some of them are also very very commercial and that doesn't necessarily that might come with very high quality teaching materials etc but it doesn't always come with a sense of community mm -hmm. so i guess it's a you know weighing up yeah, and really same. checking out what what is what is available and, and talking to people just say you know use those internet forums and you know go and ask your favorite authors or you know personalities mm -hmm. or something you know do you know who this teacher is would you recommend them um right. you know we can all do that today <laughs> Absolutely. so um, you know it's 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 worth doing that but i think um i think it is very very hard i mean I remember when I first, because uh, I grew up in Cape Town in South Africa on the other oh. side of the world, which is where right. I first got involved in Wicca. Mm -hmm. And when I came to London, um, it was two years before I discovered there was an actual pagan scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it never occurred to me to look for one because we didn't have one where I came from. Right. And I, I found this, I, I remember I was in the basement of a really large record store that used to be in Piccadilly Circus, tower records and i found a copy of pagan dawn magazine which wow. is our kind of british pagan zine and you know there was like adverts in it and i kind of remember discovering watkins and atlantis bookshop and you know yeah. just this whole world opened to me because of you know a zine that was being produced by a community and then eventually i discovered the the kind of public rituals and the moots and the things like that and kind of met some amazing people you know I, I'm now looking back on it and having been to you know social gatherings and, and many conferences in the last few years I realized just how lucky I was to have been able to spend just a little bit of time with some of the people that went to those events back then yeah um because they are you know a lot of them aren't around anymore um but a lot of them were the elders and people that really shaped some of the things that we have today mm -hmm. um so you know but again it's, it's having that contact with people and and being able to i guess learn from people and just being introduced to as many possible ideas as possible so i think solitary for solitaries in particular um it's a lot harder than for somebody that has the luxury of being able to join a coven or a, a group a really good group of some sort um because as a solitary, you naturally you say you're kind of doing everything by yourself, and that's great. But it but it also means that you're not being, um, you know, that kind of pressure of a group to kind of do better and go deeper isn't yeah. there. And yeah. also being introduced. I mean, one of the most valuable things for me about having had a group in my twenties that I had in London, um, 
you know, between 2000 and, well, 2000 and 2006, and the group kind of continued, some of them moved with us to Wales um, for rituals and stuff. And um, the, the benefits of having that group was that I got introduced, uh, me as the kind of co-founder of the group, as the high priestess of the group, got introduced to all these different subjects that people were into and interested in, but so did everybody else in the coven, you know, so instead of just studying and knowing about my subjects, my picked things and the things that I was good at, I was constantly being, you know, um, asked about things that I didn't know so much about. Yeah. And there was always somebody in the group that was more knowledgeable, you know, like runes, I'm, I'm absolutely useless at any of the kind of Norse, Norse tradition stuff, even mm -hmm. today. You know, I know something about it, I can give a basic introduction, but I'm not a practitioner. And I'm just I'm not just not knowledgeable about it in, in the sense of somebody that really has a passion for it or a particular tarot deck that somebody was maybe more passionate about or different types of, of divination. I got introduced to the I Ching like that, for example. Um, you know, so it's just really beneficial to have all those people, all their ideas, all their knowledge coming together and creating something really special where people can learn from one another, mm -hmm. even if it's just kind of opening a door to a new subject. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't necessarily, I'm like I said, there was people that were fantastic at Norse runes and sure. kind of divination and, and, and doing blots and, and all those kinds of things in my group way back then. And mm -hmm. I'm still not an expert in it, but I know so much from spending all that time around those people. And just knowing I needed to kind of study a little bit to kind of keep up with some of the conversations, you know, oh, so absolutely. I think that's, that's the benefit of being in a group as, as you kind of encourage each other, you know, um, both by saying, come on, learn this, but also just by showing, you know, something interesting. And, um, you know, that that is really, really difficult for solitary people because they just have to do it all by themselves and there's so much information available now that it must be very very confusing sometimes it can be but that's why i have a podcast so i can talk to people and learn things because this is my outlet to, well i mean honestly that was the whole reason desperate house which was, was yeah, even was started because yeah. i said i need to know things and i'm a moron so i need smart people to come and teach me things because <laughs> i don't know anything i mean well i mean even as you pointed out I was raised a gardenarian. There's a lot more out there than being a gardenarian and it's advanced and it's changed and there are other ideas, you know? I think that's one of the problems with some of the initiatory traditions mm -hmm. and not necessarily all the lineages of some of the initiatory traditions of Wicca, but also some of the other Western traditions that started in the 1800s and early 1900s is that mm -hmm. It's, it's become a little bit of reenactment. Yeah, <laughs> this sure. This is how they used to do it, so we are doing it this way. And it's, oh, yeah. um, my friend Katie Gerard um, recently wrote a blog for her Pagan Pathos blog, um, which Pagan Pathos, um, you know, obviously the kind of website, um, I'm trying to think when it would have been, like November, December, and I can't remember the title of the blog, but if you go and find her blog on Pagan Pathos, you'll find it, where she mm -hmm. talked about the um, kind of issues of gender and Wicca, for example, and one of the many things that she points out is that the huge emphasis on man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, and equal yeah. boys and girls, as people often say in Wicca, which I hate because it's yeah. men and women, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Oh, people, just people. Folks, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> folks. 
um that you know she points out very very definitely and i absolutely agree with her because we've talked about it for years and mm-hmm. um, because we we both come from a more progressive lineage in our tradition sure. and um that that practice of male female male female came from a time that it was actually illegal to be homosexual in britain correct absolutely yeah and it puts a completely different spin on it if you know you're already standing there you know most people know that in wicca people take their clothes off their work sky clad a lot of the time Mm -hmm. so imagine at a time when it's still illegal to be homosexual that it's a huge scandal to um have relationships out of marriage sure Um, for a whole bunch of people not just Mm -hmm. two a whole bunch to stand together and um be naked yeah (laughs) and you know so two men standing next to each other naked (laughs) and you know passing a cup between them or you know giving each other a peck on the the cheek could Mm -hmm. have been misconstrued in so many different ways Mm -hmm. and it can still be misconstrued today and people do misconstrue it today but imagine then you know this is a long time ago this is you know my grandparents were you know still young (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I kind of think that that really puts you, you've got to kind of think about it and think, well, is that still valid? And if that's the only reason, really, because, you know, there's so many different kind of nuances on some of this stuff and taboos that I think aren't yeah. necessarily as necessary, but they might be necessary for a different reason. Right. And, you know, of course, that's worth exploring. I'm not dismissing things just, you know, because of one little thing. Right. I think there's many things like that. Things have just, times have changed. Yes. And, you know, we, we don't have to believe the things that we were told that we now know isn't quite right. And right. we weren't necessarily lied to on purpose. It's just sometimes people didn't have the information. Um, available to them and the world we live in today where we've all got mobile phones that we can do this on you know across the pond broadcasting to who knows how many people in how many different countries and the internet and email it was this would be kind of weird I mean Gerald Garden never saw a mobile phone of course of course some things are just of their time I mean and it's not that they are and at the time they were fine because that is all we knew at that time. Mm-hmm. But as things have progressed and people have progressed and things have changed, um, I would be heartbroken if my practice specifically singled out people for what I consider ridiculous reasons. Um, you know, there's lots, of, there's lots of, and it's not just gender. There's there's so many other aspects to this. It's also um, true. Yeah. You know, it's misinformation about the gods that, that are perpetuated, even when people know it's wrong. Yeah. And um, little phrases in ritual that we know is wrong. Yeah. Um, attributing things to people that we know didn't write them, you know, etc. Yeah. And I think it's it doesn't devalue the practices or the beliefs. In fact, it, it makes it more interesting to know the actual truth about them. Um, about 12, 13 years ago, I co-wrote a book with David Rankin called Wicca Magical Beginnings, in which we look at the origins of many of the practices found in Wicca. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the reasons for things that, that are taught within a particular initiatory tradition is very shallow. Yeah. And of course, there are exceptions to this. There's some fantastic covens out there that people really make a big effort. But, but sometimes the reasons given are very shallow and then 
you know, like I said earlier, people change things without understanding the reason why, or they say, well, it was just made up in the 50s, so we can just change it. Mm -hmm. But quite often, you know, the practices that we have in Wicca didn't originate in Wicca. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. we've got examples, I don't know, let's, my favourite example is the circle casting. We've, the circle casting is so, I don't know, atypical of Wicca, it's so, um, it's so standard of Wicca, you know, it's, it's the thing that you kind of, the cheesy picture for witch in a circle, <laughs> nearly, you know, dagger, wand, circle. Yeah. Waterhouse's <laughs> magic circle. Well, Waterhouse's magic circle predates Gerald Gardner's Wicca by decades mm -hmm. <laughs> um the famous painting are you familiar with it it's very beautiful um and it's a very very famous painting it's, it's of a woman kind of long dark hair with a green dress standing somewhere in nature the yes. long stick drawing a circle of fire around her with a cauldron yeah um but we've also got examples of words being said um while a circle is being cast in the direction of the sun from ancient Babylonia, which goes back four or five thousand years sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you start putting it together and you kind of then look at the, the texts over generations showing us that people did this, then it's not just about Wicca. This, the, these are ancient practices that have just bubbled together in Wicca. And the Wiccan system is a very effective way the the, the kind of basic I don't know, ritual structure of Wicca is a really yeah. eloquent one. It really works. Um, I think it's, it's one of the most efficient. It's so simple, but it works. And mm -hmm. in that is, is the beauty of it. But it doesn't mean that you've got to leave it where it was created. You can continue to polish it and make it better, which I think is beautiful to see people doing that. Yeah. Yes. I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> But right. I, also, I also love tradition. I also love, I don't know, I've, I've, I've been really fortunate to be at very traditional ceremonies with some amazing people over the years. And mm -hmm. I think there's something very beautiful in seeing those, tradition, uh, uh, those traditions perform their ceremonies in the traditional way, yeah. um, as long as that's not all they do. Yeah, yeah. Because there's got to be a point... Yeah, I see a lot of magic as being a, a dog and pony show. It's like, we're actually supposed to be accomplishing something with this. Yeah. It's That's like, what, what, yeah. Is it, what does it do, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's it for? You know, you get to wear black. I do that all day anyway. What's the difference, you know? But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, we're supposed to be actually trying to accomplish the magic. So, you know, it's, I think people forget that. I think the pomp and circumstances get, you know, people lose the point in the, in the really, ceremony. I think that's a really important thing, actually, is, is, is what has it accomplished, you know. So, you know, you've been practicing for decades and hopefully you can see what it has been, what, what has been accomplished in your life or what has changed because of the practice of witchcraft in your life. You know, certainly yeah. I can see what it's done for me and what it's done for some of my friends. But with some people, it's not entirely clear whether it's changed anything or whether it's just like another accessory, you mm -hmm. know. Um, <laughs> I, like, I, I like the way you put that as accessory. <laughs> that is, <laughs> yep, gotcha. I mean, and I agree. I mean, there has to be, there has to be a point. Otherwise you're just, you know, standing around looking cute. <laughs> Nothing's happening. <laughs> 
missing you know way back when I was very actively involved in an issue Wicca was a lack of ability for people to talk about what they believe in actually mm-hmm. um you know do you believe in magic yes but okay what what is magic you know and if it's for some people it seems to just be something in the mind or with psychology and for yeah. some people it's a real external force and I think these kinds of discussions is what I'd really like to see you know happening more and more and I know it will just be argument after argument but hopefully something good can come out of discussions like that which is the kind of discussions you see in more established religions actually yeah you know rather than what color what color you know the dagger should be or what how big the cup should be right (laughs) you know i would actually love to have that discussion with you sometime but we are almost believe it or not out of time and there's like nine thousand other things i want to talk to you about but i really cannot tell you how much i have appreciated this time with you can you tell folks where they can find you and and where they can buy your books yes um, so people can go to my personal website, which is www.sorita.co.uk, um, where there's links to all kinds of things. Um, all my books are all available from Amazon or from my publishing company, um, which is avaloniabooks.com. Um, I also publish books by many other occultists and witches and amazing magical practitioners. I'm so incredibly lucky to be doing it that especially through the lockdown at least I've got something to just distract myself with in the cracks between but yes so avalonia.books.com and sarita.co.uk and of course I'm on Instagram and Facebook and a few of those kinds of things. So before I let you go um, what are you currently working on? Um, So um, I am hopefully getting all the backlog of books that were supposed to be published last year by Avalonia mm-hmm. um, out and into the world um, between now and the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have just been delayed because bookshops have been shut and, you know, all yes. those kinds of things that come with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to remain shut, but we've decided to just go ahead because, you know, it, it's worth having it out there. And even if it's a slow start, it, it's classic books. And then personally, I'm finishing off my Circle for Hecate volume two. I'm doing some final edits on it. It's also a book that I've delayed kind of deliberately for a couple of years because there's something I wanted to do, which COVID has stopped me from doing again. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'm just going to finish that off and get it out. And I'm also working on a second edition of my book, Artemis, The Virgin Goddess of the Sun and Moon, that was originally published in 2006. Nice. Do you do any online classes? Um, I am not offering classes at the moment because of COVID, ironically, um, which is the time that everybody wants it. But because I'm home alone a lot of the time with my 13 year old disabled son, it's not so practical. I understand. (laughs) um, Of interruptions and I never know when he's going to be at school or not. But I am doing various podcasts and I'm doing it. I'm a little bit more active on YouTube from time to time now as well. So People can check me out in there when I want to rant about something. That's where I go. That's awesome. Stacy. do you have any other questions before we let our lovely guest go? No, I'm so excited that you're working on all those books. <laughs> because your Artemis book. 
Mm, I'm also working with a book on Diana, actually. Really? Nice. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, Sarita, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I hope you will come back on. This has been a delightful hour. It's thank been really you. easy talking to you guys. <laughs> I think it's been like having a conversation in my front room. <laughs> I know, really. And just like having a real conversation. Yeah, I'm loving the format. This is great. You're my first Zoom interview. So I, I thank you so much for doing my experiment with me. You have been delightful and I can't thank wait to speak so with much. you again. Thank you. Have, have a wonderful. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, Stace, let's wrap it up. I'm, I'm